Good evening. Welcome in to State of the Tigers, PowerMizzou.com's weekly Monday night show about Mizzou football, at least for now. Basketball soon enough, maybe as soon as next week. We are brought to you every week by James Carlton State Farm. CarltonInsurance.net is where you can find him online. And I was actually on the radio with James this morning. Look, he wants to sell you insurance. I'm not going to not gonna downplay that part. He wants to be your insurance agent. As much as that, man, he wants to talk Missouri football. So you give James a call. You talk a little bit about six and one, number 20 in the country, Missouri Tigers. You get an insurance quote from him. You tell him you heard about him on Power Mizzou. He is going to donate $20 to every true Tiger Foundation, Mizzou's NIL collective of choice. And hey, you might just get an insurance agent. At the very worst, you get to talk to another Tiger fan about your favorite team. I am Gabe DeArmond, publisher of PowerMizzou.com. Now we're going to bring onto the screen Gerard Hamilton, who you last saw looking very dapper in a sport coat in the uh, press box at Kroger, above Kroger Field. I don't know what Kentucky Stadium is called, but... Uh, welcome back to Columbia, Gerard. And before we get into this, I just want to know, so Friday afternoon, you drive, I don't know, something like seven hours, seven and a half hours, maybe to Lexington, Kentucky. You waste all day Saturday waiting for a 630 kickoff. You, they don't know how to get you to the media lot. You finally get to the media lot. You get into the stadium and about 30 minutes later, it is 14 nothing, and Missouri looks like it has stayed in Columbia. And you are thinking what? I remember saying to somebody in the press box, uh, the defense, and particularly the run defense that it showed last week, seems more like the rule than the exception based off Ray Davis running through their face and giving Tyron Hopper a stiff arm that looked like Derrick Henry on Josh Norman. I remember just going like, gosh, like, y'all just going to do this today? That's that's tough. So when they won and all that other stuff I went through after the game, I was just like, well, at least I know you guys will be happy. Like, I, like that's cool. Cause man, trying to ask questions or find out work or whatever after they lose and, and would have lost by a beatdown, It looks like that wouldn't have been any fun for me. So that was, that was cool. Yeah. That's always like, Again, this is another thing where, look, we root for the same things you guys want to. Like, we do not want to spend an entire weekend and go on the road to watch what it looked like that game was going to be Correct. in the first quarter. We're, we're going to get into a question I have about that a little bit later on, about who who should go on the road and, and which trips we should make here. We'll, we'll talk about that uh, momentarily. I have to address the most pressing question we have gotten in the comments so far. I want you guys questions, comments, throw them up there. We'll get to that. Immu Nuke wants to know, is that a Cardinals hat? My friend, you just know me better than that. This is a 2023 Ryder Cup hat. It just happens to be red. Um, so I, I just, we, we got to address the apparel questions first. Um, also, uh, wouldn't work to to wear a uh, Cardinals hat with my 2014 Major League Baseball postseason uh, hoodie, which is what I'm wearing right now. Um, but anyway, so I, I I tweeted with two minutes left in the first quarter that it is literally impossible to be dominated for 13 minutes of football more than Missouri was dominated for the first 13 minutes of that game. I mean, Gerard, you correct me if I'm wrong. I don't remember a single play that I thought, well, that went well for Missouri. 
Like not one play in the first 13 minutes. Quick three and out, followed by terrible interception, followed by another pretty quick three and out. So nothing, nothing. <laughs> and, and defensively, it was just watching Ray Davis run down the field and then suddenly turning Devin Leary into Jaden Daniels for a couple plays. It, they've got to fix the contain. I will say that that that's something. But um, yeah, that, that was first. That was first uh, 13, 14 minutes, or I guess the first quarter. It was just like, oof. Well, we know what, what team is going to bounce back from their loss looking much better. And then, like, what happened, man? I mean, I mean, I know Luke Bauer happened. Is it that simple? Luke Bauer just fixed everything? Well, you guys are going to get a lot of Uno references in my column tomorrow. But Missouri <laughs> pulled out their reverse card. They said, all right, I got something for you. They pulled out the, like the Luke Bauer uh, touchdown pass to Marquise Johnson. You start to see the defense kind of settle in. And I think, honestly, from my point, you could tell Kentucky was – you can kind of tell a team is shook, even if a team has a double-digit lead. We've seen this with Kansas City when teams pull out fake punts and how that can turn, uh, you know, change the tide of the game because you think you got everything in hand. Every, they they stopped Luther not just in the first quarter but the whole game. They shut down so many things. They had this lead. They got off to a good start, and when you see a team pull something out that like you know out their hat and they get kind of boosted up, you're like, well, well, what else do we got to? kind of prepare for i mean what what other things so you kind of start it seems like they lost a little bit of focus kentucky did and missouri took full advantage of that and just kept beating them down well and i think i think sometimes we forget that these games we're watching are being played by 18 to 22 year old kids correct and it's it's easy to come out especially when you're at home because we saw missouri do this a week ago it's easy to come out sky high and everything's going well, and it just you just think it's going to last forever. Mm-hmm. And then one thing happens. For Missouri against LSU, it was a Brady Cook interception. For Kentucky against Missouri, it was that fake punt. And one thing, I mean, there are a lot of blown 14-point leads in college football. It's not that big a lead. We think it's that big a lead, but the truth is you are one play away from making it a one-play game. And if you make that one play, not only does it get your team going, it will have the other team going, oh, hang on, man. I thought they were just going to quit. And now they didn't quit. What do we do? Absolutely. Something about plays like fake punt, onside kick, just in a way, I know they were technically, they still, their possession, but it feels like they're stealing a possession away from you when they do that, especially on a fourth down, let alone the points that come with it. I mean, because – they didn't have to have a touchdown, obviously, to convert the fourth down. So the fact that they were able to get points out of it, again, I, you know, to your point, is just kind of feel like, ah, thought they were going to lay down after we came out with our plus our draw four cards. <laughs> so, so, so let me ask you this, and and we'll move forward a little bit. I, I don't remember what the distance was on fourth down. Uh, they were at the thirty-nine yard line. It was fourth and something from the Kentucky thirty-nine. When Luke Bauer trotted out on the field, when the punt team came out, my first thought was, Eli, are you really out here punting from the 39-yard line down 14-0? I'm curious what your thought was when the punt team took the field. I can't remember. I I can't remember. I'm trying to 
look up the down and distance as well. Uh, my first thought was just like, man, if they don't get going soon, it's they think it's it's going to be a big problem, especially when a running team has the lead like how they have it. I was thinking, well, play action is really going to start kicking up real soon. They they can do pretty much anything they want it to do, and I was thinking, I mean, somebody has to wake up. It's I don't know. We've I feel like we've seen a lot of games over the last you know year and a half since I've been here where one side of the ball wakes up, the other side of the ball doesn't wake up. We've seen that, but having both sides of the ball not wake up, I was just like, you guys are playing with fire. Playing yeah. with fire, and but they obviously they they kind of knew, and and they had it turned around. I mean, they led at halftime in that game. Um, r- real quick break from the game. The important question: Mitchell wants to know if you drove straight home or if you actually used the hotel room. Uh, absolutely not. I did not drive straight home. <laughs> the reason I was saying I, I was saying that is because I figured by the time I'd finish all my work and all the press conferences, driving back, um. I'd be in bed by five o'clock, which that's exactly when I was able to go to sleep at five o'clock. So I was saying I might as well drive. Of course, I was not going to do that. I was just saying that um, Realist George had me absolutely weak with calling Power Kansas. (laughs) Calling it Power Kansas and uh, stay down. What was it? What is it? How do you say get down or lay down or something like that? I can't get down. Oh my goodness. I'm gonna. I've heard that before, but just in that context, I'm gonna start saying it randomly. My girlfriend's gonna be very upset. <laughs> she don't know what I'm talking about. I didn't know what he was talking about, honestly. But uh, but we're I, good. I, I don't know. It was um, real aggressive, but I I did have to defend myself. I was accused on the live show of not paying for a hotel room and making Gerard drive straight back from Lexington, Kentucky at 4 a.m. And that did no, not happen. Gabe is, I, Gabe is real cool with all the travel. I just have to show up. So I, I got to I, I got to build up those Hilton points, man. That's that's how that <laughs> works. So um, so here's. I saw a comment and I'll find it here. Uh, Jason was saying before the second quarter, I started wondering how much money Tyron Hopper lost by going pro. So here's my question or by not going pro. Here's my question. What did you think the major issue was defensively in the first quarter? And like, is it fixed? Did they, did they fix the defense? Did we see the 2022 defense in the last three quarters of that game? In the last three quarters? Yes. But the first quarter, but is it here to stay? That's to be determined. So their biggest problem to me, like we, it feels like every time there's a problem with the defense, we kind of shift around to maybe it's poor run defense, maybe the the safeties and some, but something that's always been the same since I got this job is they're tackling. Tackling is always poor. Coaches are always talking about how they've got to be textbook. I don't know. I don't remember. There were so many, uh, pressers last year as far as Baker and Drink just saying we've got to get the thigh boards we've got to wrap up we've got to do all this when we're tackling they had a tackling grade according to PFF of like under 37 yeah um Tyron Hopper led the way with three missed tackles he's at least led the team in missed tackles three or four games easily and I'm just trying to think off the top of my head he looked brutal in the first quarter and that uh who was that Jason who put that question up or or that comment up um I thought about that it was. I thought about that when I was making the PFF article. Like, how much is he 
kind of messing up, you know, some of the funds for next year by staying back another year because some of his weaknesses sometimes are showing. And he just, on any given day, him and KD, one of them could be the best player, but it seems like with him, there's it's like he's either the best or he's just like non-existent. You or, you, yeah. or, or you notice him for the wrong reason. Right. Well, and I, and I think the reason I'm hesitant to say the defense is fixed is because I don't think Kentucky's a good test for that because Kentucky only has one way to win a football game. Like I, I thought Kentucky's problem on Saturday was very simple. Devin Leary was not very accurate and did not play quarterback very well. When he was accurate, his receivers helped him out by largely dropping the ball and not making a single play for him. Like, they just, they had no pass. They were no threat in half the game. Uh, So once you figured out how to tackle Ray Davis, they were done. They don't have another way to win. Right. I think they came in with the 70th ranked rushing attack. So even though as much as we talk about how great Ray Davis is, I mean – you eventually they'll stop him and he he's they're not going to go for almost 300 rushing yards like an LSU or any team with a kind of a mobile quarterback with an efficient running back um you're not going to see that so you got that or wide receivers um aren't you know aren't that they were great bad. they were just bad yeah no one had more than three receptions or more than 32 receiving yards so it's kind of be shut out like that is kind of crazy but yeah once they figured out the Ray Davis part it was all about fixing themselves really and it, mm-hmm. kind of see it took care of itself the rest of the way and and look defensively i think we do need to give credit where it's due i thought the second biggest play of the, that game was defensive i thought because fake punt is number one it turned the thing around but i thought the second biggest play of that game was kentucky's first snap of the third quarter where joseph charleston punches yeah. the ball out uh i think it was drayden norwood recovered it i mean a fumble on the first play out of half is just—it's just devastating, man. I remember I was writing my quick thoughts, and I—I I just couldn't understand why they received first. Couldn't—I couldn't really grasp my head around it because obviously we talk Missouri. about the swing gate. Yeah. yeah, we talk about the swing gate so much. Drink has talked about the swing gate so much, so I was—that was mind-boggling. But if you can kind of get something like that, I'm not saying he predicted that, but if you can get you know turnover on the first play of you know still another possession i mean that is that's big time yeah because i mean basically missouri got the ball to start both halves in that game i mean more or less you know and and that's a huge advantage um i i want to hit this one because we can probably talk for a little bit about this skylar's asking how much fun it is to cover a good football team for a change and i just want you to take that first because like Last year, you did not cover a good football team. They weren't awful, but they weren't good. Like, like th- this year's better, man. <laughs> it just better. Uh, it, it's, well, <laughs> this is only, you know, year two covering college football for me. So I'm really just happy to be here. <laughs> so I, I, I don't I don't really rain too much on it, whether it's good or bad. I don't got I don't got that cachet you got yet, Gabe, but it's definitely different. Um it's kind of, I was talking to my dad earlier, trying to work out plans to go visit him. And I've been telling him all year, though, you know, it depends on if they get to a bowl game or not. I told him today, well, they're definitely going to go to a bowl game at this point. You, you might have to push point, that off till the first week in January. Yeah, that's what I, I that's exactly what I told him. I said, at this point, um, they continue how they're playing. 
I may see you a little bit earlier in December because they may be New Year's Six territory. So, I mean, that's definitely a, a cool aspect. And obviously more people are reading stuff. We, we're getting to talk to more people, do more appearances. And it's cool because we I do all this work uh, all week. So it's good for more people to want to know about the team and what we're, you know, kind of what we're doing here covering the team. Right. Like, uh, you know what I noticed during good seasons, people tend to, to think that our writing is a lot better during good seasons. Mm -hmm. It's probably not. It's probably pretty similar. It's just that they like what it says and they're reading it more. I mean, I was, I was joking earlier today. Like I've had seasons where people are like, yo, what, why are you still writing about them, man? Like we haven't read about that in four weeks. What are you doing over there? <laughs> you know, I had people tell me during the Kim Anderson years, like, don't go to the games. We're not going to read it. It's fine. We don't, you don't have to. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. The rose colored glasses come in when things are going yeah. well. Yeah. But um, so, so let's hit on that for a minute. Let's, let's hit on the future because I, I I'm going to say this a hundred times this week, guys, we can talk about whatever the hell we want. It does not impact the game against South Carolina. Like we can talk about the 2029 football season. We can look ahead as far as we want. We don't play. We don't call it play. We don't coach what we talk about doesn't matter. So I, I wrote a little bit on Saturday night about how I, I think what, what that game did is change the the ceiling for this season. I mean, so we've said all season long, like I think after LSU, we both kind of came off seven and five and said we expect eight and four. That change after Saturday? Yes. And here's the thing about the games, because we say we obviously give our predictions on the season, and then we'll say even before that game, if they win this game, you know, such and such, this may change with that. But after you see the context was actually watching the game and stuff, it's different. Because they were down 14 and won by 17 in a game which basically they was only playing 45 minutes while Kentucky was playing 60. Or I guess Kentucky only well, showed Kentucky up. Kentucky was actually playing about 15. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they quit after a minute. But <laughs> um, <laughs> when you see the context surrounding it, you know, instead of them just winning the way they won, the way they won without Luther Burden, I think is one of the things that impresses me the most. Um, I'm kind of at nine and three. I read your column, obviously, and you talked about um, if they win eight games, that's still an improvement from what the baseline yeah. was when we started. But you can't be unhappy about that big picture. Yeah, but you made a good point, though. You can adjust your expectations as things go along, you know, depending on what you see. And we're seeing a team that eight and four would be disappointing. That got to me at least three more wins on the schedule. Um that I feel like are certain and Tennessee is looking like a, like I'm a, it's a toss up. I haven't done enough research on Tennessee to know, so I'm not going to speak too much on it, but that doesn't look like a sure, oh, yeah, Tennessee is going to light them up because what they've done in the past anymore, it's looking like, well, we're going to wait and see how these teams do over the next few weeks. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the expectation now is to win nine. Um, and I don't think 10's off the table. I, I don't think 11's off the table. If you want to be a, a Yep. Honest. I mean, I'm not picking them to beat Georgia, but I think they've got as good a chance as anybody in the East to beat Georgia. Um, sure. But, you know, bottom line, nine and three. And you're talking about Gator Bowl. Maybe Outback Bowl, something on that level. If you get to 10 and two, though, you're talking about being in that New Year six. You're talking about Peach Bowl, that kind of Cotton Bowl that kind of thing. Um, I think what hurts Missouri a little bit this year, and we will talk about this plenty as, as we get more toward bowl selection and all that. 
I think what hurts Missouri is there is no way that two SEC teams are making the playoff this year, right? So, like, in the past, that New Year's Six, like, if you finish fourth or even fifth in the SEC, you had a shot at those New Year's Six Bowls. You're not going to get that this year. There's only going to be one SEC team in the playoff. So, if it's not you, you got to probably finish – you know, Missouri's already lost a tiebreaker to LSU. Like, they need some help with Bama losing or something to get into that New Year's Six conversation if they don't win the division. Yeah, it's kind of – no, I get – actually, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I, it'd probably be hard for two SEC teams. That, I don't see any way two SEC teams can get in the playoff. Yeah, um, especially when you got teams like Washington, Oregon yeah. – that's the problem. There's a lot of good teams in other leagues this year. And then Ohio State you know, or Michigan. You got three in the Big Ten. You're going to have an ACC champ. You're going to have a Big 12 champ and maybe a runner-up that's you know, yeah, 12-1, 11-2. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, that would be, be pretty hard, yeah. Yeah, it, it gets tough. But, um, but, yeah, I think nine wins now is – where you set your sights and, and hope for more. And uh, Nathan's asking me uh, out of the teams I've covered, how does this season compare in terms of excitement and ceiling? So it, you're really talking about, I mean, this, the two teams I've covered that obviously kind of stand out above the rest are, are 07 and 13. Um, 2007, like they knew they were going to be good. I, everybody kind of thought they were going to be good. I've looked back at this before. I picked them nine and three and picked them, I think, to win the Big 12 North at nine and three. They obviously ended up 11 and one, so they were better than I thought, but they knew they were going to be good. 2013, it's a lot more questions. Year one in the SEC had been really bad. Um, but as that season started to build, that was like, oh, hang on, they got something going here. And then they started chasing, you know, potential national championship appearance and stuff like that so that was a lot of fun this is probably a little closer to 2014 or 2010 which were good teams but in 2010 they they beat Oklahoma to go I think seven and oh or six and oh then they lost two in a row so they finished ten and two it was a good team but not a great team and then 2014 they lost to Indiana early in the year and everybody kind of wrote them off they ended up winning the SEC East but that Indiana loss had hurt them so bad that like it was still unlikely. It was possible, but pretty unlikely if they had upset Alabama in the SEC title game that they were making, you know, the, the BCS or the playoff, whatever it was at that point. But you also kind of knew going into that game against Alabama, there wasn't much of a chance. Missouri was probably upsetting them. So like that was a good season and they won the division, but it wasn't on the level of the other two right now. I'd put this right about there, but I'd say excitement level, it's closer to like 13 or 07 just because it's been so damn long. I mean, it's been nine years since Missouri fans have had something like this to get excited about. And the truth of the matter is, is that in most years they've killed that by the end of September. I mean, this is, this was the first year. I think this was the first year since 2014, they had started four and oh, you know, so you're talking about before the conference season has even really started most years most people knew a lot of things were off the table. Um, and so that's the fun part about this year is that, is that everybody's excited. Recruiting's going well. It's just, everything's kind of come together. Basketball season's starting and and people are excited about that. So, uh, you know, the fan base are, are 
is more excited probably about Mizzou athletics than it has been since I, it's been a long time, guys, probably 2013, honestly, uh, since then. And, and I always appreciate guys like Jeff reminding you to uh, like the show and subscribe and do those things. Cause I'm real bad at reminding you guys about those things. So um, there was a question, Gerard, somewhere, and you mentioned it a little bit, uh, Missouri winning without Luther Burden. Somebody had asked uh, what Kentucky did to take him away. I mean, I, I, Jeff was asking. I think it, they pretty clearly went into that game saying two things. Number one, Luther Burden's not going to beat us. And number two, big plays are not going to beat us. Yeah. Um, on that interception that Brady threw, um, they just had somebody kind of slide over. I, first one, I can't really comprehend why Brady threw it because he was in he tight was just, cover. Yeah, he, he's thrown three there. interceptions, and everyone has been trying to force the ball to Luther Burden. I get it, but I no, throw it away. I just that one, throw it away. He was a pretty tight one on one coverage, so I was thinking throw it away before the guy even kind of swooped in and got the interception. Throw it away. Um. Yeah, they just, what you said, they were saying, you know, he's not going to beat us. We're going to force you to do other things. It was really kind of testing Brady's thinking because he's been doing so well with the deep ball. Um, they obviously know about Marquise Johnson, and they figured and they found out on the punt. So mm -hmm. another, actually a clever thing by Eric Lincoln and Drink to know, um, maybe that's something Kentucky will do, try to limit the big plays. You find a way to get a big play somewhere else they're not expecting. But, um, yeah, no big plays. and. Brady, are you going to be okay? You know, with swing passes to Cody Schrader and throwing it underneath and having Theo be your main guy, and and he was after the pretty much after the first quarter, kind of got another pass out of out of his system that looked like it should have been an interception. But from then on, I think he completed eighteen of his last twenty three and kind of settled in to just taking what they gave, and he was able to use his legs a little bit more as well. Yeah, and and I want to be clear before I say this. That in no way am I comparing these two quarterbacks as players. But Gerard and I are both Chiefs fans, and we remember, what was it, Gerard, 2021, when the NFL acted like they had just discovered two deep safety shell defense was this thing, right? Like nobody had ever played it before. And it's what everybody did against the Chiefs because it's what Tampa did in the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. And basically the bet was, we think you'll either get impatient and try to throw a pass you can't throw against this defense, or we just don't think you're going to be good enough to execute five yards at a time and go down the field. Well, that's what Missouri did on Saturday. They said, fine, you want us to just throw swing passes and throw to the flats and hit Theo Weiss on a turnaround six yards at a time? That's what they'll do. And they did it to the tune of 38 points. And I think showing that you're able to do that is a huge thing for this team, right? Like, yes, you want to be able to hit a 60-yard play sometimes, but sometimes you're not going to do it. And so to be able to show that you can go 60 yards, even if it takes eight or nine plays, is a big deal. Yeah, that's that's big. And um, it's drinks that they didn't play well offensively, and they didn't. The, off, the run game struggled for most of the game. Obviously, the passing game couldn't get – didn't get too much going deep, but again, being able to beat a team, you know, by a thousand paper cuts or whatever it is, um, that's something you actually need to, to be able to do if you're a quality, you know, 
bowl, you know, one of those upper echelon teams. You got to be able to win in multiple ways. You got to be able to win when things aren't going as planned, because if they thought they were going to be able to gash teams over the top all year, like they did the first five or six, well, they did it to LSU too. So how they did the first six games, someone eventually is going to be like, all right, well, mm-hmm. let's see what you do now. Cause like drink said a couple weeks ago, it's chess, not checkers. So he's not the only one playing chess though. There's other, you know, great, you know, defensive right. teams in this, in this league. So, uh, that was important for them to kind of figure out what can they do basically without their queen on the board, which is Luther Burden, and kind of use the other pieces to make something shake and, and win. Well, uh, I mean, Kentucky tried to turn Luther Burden into the queen when, in the words of Tom Hart, it hit him in the bag of chips, you know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. But but no, look, like Luther will come back. He'll be fine. Um, he'll have big days. I, I thought it was a huge day for Theo Weiss. I thought that was the day. I mean, I was shocked at the end of that game that Theo only had six catches for fifty-eight yards. Because it, yeah, it felt more. It felt like yeah, it felt like more. Um, you know, he's he had nineteen for three seventy-eight and four touchdowns last year in his final year at Oklahoma. Uh, I think it was like 113, 123 of those came in the final game of the year. So, I mean, he's he's already kind of doubled that. I think he's at 34 for 392 and five. I mean, we're only seven games in. So to have a number two like that, he's he's doing exactly what they were hoping he'd do um, when they got him in. So big, big props to Theo. Mookie Cooper had he only had two catches. But they were big catches, and he did something with the ball on both of them after he caught it. Um, I thought his I thought his contribution was big. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brett Norfleet, all four of his targets for forty. Mm-hmm. It just adds a different dimension. I mean, four drops last week. That's crazy. You can't have four drops from anybody, let alone one player. We talked about it for a year and a half about not having a tight end. It kind of just at times it feels like they're playing ten on eleven. If if what you got to trade is, you know, maybe some run blocking. And it's not – no disrespect to Tyler Stevens, but it's not like he's great run blocker. If you've got to trade a little bit of run blocking because, you know, Brett is a little uh, – he's smaller still and he's new to the game. If you got to trade that in for some receiving and for someone to be out there to be some type of capable threat, you do it. Because you – first off, I still don't think teams are believing that tight end is a threat yet. It's kind of like it reminds me. I forgot what game it was, but it was kind of late in the season. I got on an SEC teleconference call, and one of the coaches brought up Luther Burden. I was thinking he's not the problem. It's Dominic Lovett. I mean, Burden is a problem, but you guys know what I'm saying. Dominic Lovett is the problem, you know, that you should be worried about. So I feel like it's the same thing with Brett Northfleet. Obviously, he's getting a late start with it being his first one in week seven. But if you can have that type of guy be able to help spread the field, it's big time. Absolutely. And again, Right. And yeah, they were technically ranked in yeah, when we, they beat Kentucky. But yeah, I mean, so point being, like, I, it's real easy after you beat a team to go, well, that team's not any good. Well, part of the reason they're not any good is because you beat them. You know, like, like you deserve credit for that. So has Missouri played a murderer's row? No, but who like has? Their schedule's, their schedule's better than Michigan's. It's better than Oklahoma's. Yeah, know? I don't. And obviously, I'm not looking at the whole FBS, but I don't know who's really played the uh, group off the top of my head. And I'm just thinking, like, dang, gauntlet after gauntlet after gauntlet, really. So, I mean, you play who's on the schedule, though, because, well, I find this interesting every year. People discount games and say, well, you didn't play no one, blah, blah, blah. 
but it counts all of a sudden when you lose those games or when those games are close than it needs to be. Then all of a sudden, how could you be this close to MTSU and all that stuff? So the games do count. You do got to win the game. Yeah. Uh, Cam's asking, what bowl do we need to make to avoid massive opt-outs? Like, I think that's an interesting question for this reason. Cause like Eli oh, talked last year a lot about ha- wanting the game that got the kids home for Christmas and all that. And that's their prerogative. That's fine. A lot of guys still didn't play. Um, I think when you start to get into the the territory Missouri might get into with, you know, Gator Bowl, Outback Bowl, things like that, like I'll be interested to see if a lot more guys play in that game than played in the Gasparilla Bowl or the Armed Forces Bowl. Right, especially when you're trending towards 9-3, and 10-2, and two, and you got to keep in mind, like obviously Missouri – Missouri being nine and three and ten and two versus Alabama or one of those schools being nine and three or ten and two, they this is it's a much bigger deal even if they're not in the New Year's Six Bowl or whatever. I actually have the bowl games pulled up for the SEC and you know all of what they can do. Got the Liberty Bowl, ReliQuest Bowl, Vegas Bowl, Texas Bowl, Gator Bowl, and Music City Bowl. And then obviously if they make playoff, there's Orange Bowl and Citrus Bowl. Um, as options yeah it's they, citrus bowl not outback bowl that i keep thinking of yeah which which of those bowls and i feel like we've got a <laughs> we've got a thought but which of those bowls are you saying all right i think i'll hop on <laughs> i'll hop on the plane for it i mean look i'll, I'll cover the vegas bowl I'm, I'm, I'm uh, of course, <laughs> of course. <laughs> is there any other of those bowls that's not a playoff bowl that maybe you're thinking if, the, if, it's a, the, if they're facing the right opponent, I get also keep that in mind. Like if they're facing another good quality team, is there one that you may go? Yeah, it depends on the matchup, I think, and, you know, where where Missouri's at when the game's played, all that. Um, I'll, I'll consider. So I, I was saying we were going to touch on travel earlier. So so here's my dilemma. I want the, uh, I want the subscribers uh, or the, the viewers' feedback on this too. So – uh, I, before the season, I request all the credentials for the games and road games. I just, I get a credential for Gerard. He's covered. He get into the game. I haven't covered road games for a few years now, mostly. So I don't request one for myself. Well, I woke up Sunday morning and said, I don't know that Georgia game's looking pretty big. I better put in a request in case I end up needing to go to that game. Right. So, so if Missouri beats South Carolina. They're going to be seven and one. They're going to have a week off. That game is going to be for the inside track to the division. So part of me goes, I've got to be there in case they win that game, right? And part of me also knows if I buy another plane ticket and we staff that game with two people, I'm going to go down there. And because we have done that, Missouri is going to get blown out by Georgia. Wait a minute. No, I'm not saying that me going changes the results of the game. I'm saying if I stay home, they will win. And I go, I'll, I know I'll go, how could, how could you not be at that game? So we don't, we have even more coverage, but if I go, then they get blown out. It's going to be like, well, why did we do this, man? Ain't nobody reading anyway. No, I think, well, here's the thing. People don't it's it's similar to the LSU game. They don't get blown out. People are gonna read regardless. I mean, y'all should be reading tapped in anyway if y'all do or die like y'all say. But I feel like people are gonna be tapped in if the game's competitive and stuff. And I just think it's gonna be 
that much bigger because they have a, a bye week the week before. They can kind of rest up, you know, maybe the game plans. They start adding in some trickery or whatever, uh, like we've seen this week. I don't know, Gabe. I'm, I think Gabe should. So you're come saying along. that seven and one, I got to go. Seven and one. I think so. I, think I mean, if, so. If, I'll, I'll tell you right now, they beat, they lose to South Carolina. I'm staying home. That's out of the, that, that's not even a conversation. You know, but if they beat South Carolina, that's where it gets, that's where it gets gray area. I think, well, I think they're going to beat South Carolina. I think you should go ahead and get in your mind that you will be stuck with me in the Atlanta airport looking for rental cars for hours. Go ahead and think about that one. You know what? I forgot that Hartsfield Jackson is involved in this trip. That might just that, that might just change everything right there. That, ah, place, that, place, that place is the tenth circle of hell. We'll, we'll, we'll it, deal it, with it, that later. It, on. It's bad, but I think when I think about this team, obviously I did the 2013 story earlier in the summer. Just you know, some of the parallels. It'd be it'd be crazy if they go to to Athens and. They can make a game of it. Maybe they steal that one because then, again, yeah, we're talking about some – we're talking about New Year's Six stuff where you're probably going to go to whatever that is. So you might as well prep yourself up to say, ah, I've been on the road once. I, Let me get ready to do it again. I tell you what, man. When Missouri sucked at everything, the travel budget was a lot lighter. <laughs> uh, apparently it was it was Paul Feinbaum that said Missouri hasn't played anybody good. I hold Gerard responsible for all Feinbaum comments. I don't watch that show, never have, but he's Gerard's guy, so so that's ah uh, man, I I don't know. Paul Paul is cool. I do I do think he he likes likes Bama a lot. I'll say that he, Paul Paul is cool. he, he likes the blue bloods, no question, no question. Um, all right. Uh, Oh, okay. So Cam Clouser informed me that the Outback Bowl was renamed right. the Rely Equestrian. That, that is true. That's disappointing because that that takes any chance that I would get a blooming onion at that game off the table. So that's that's unfortunate. Some of these bowl game names are just so boring. They're just ugh, no fun. Yeah. No. Fun. I mean, I, I, when I covered the Armed Forces Bowl, I'm like, how's Missouri supposed to beat Army in the Armed Forces Bowl? Like that? That's not home field, home bowl advantage. <laughs> exactly, man. Like Army's not allowed to lose the Armed Forces Bowl. That's like that'd be like sending Missouri to to play Alabama in the Tuscaloosa Bowl, man. You can't do that. Yeah, that'd be pretty tough. <laughs> pretty tough. Um. All right. So. Uh, you want to get to this? Uh, I can't read this username. I don't know what it is. But uh, with success this year, is there any word on kids from Missouri that previously committed to another program wanting to transfer to Missouri? So I'm not sure about transfer because nobody's going to be in the portal for a while. But everybody knows Jeremiah McClellan, four-star receiver from uh, CBC, is committed to Ohio State. He was at the LSU game. Um, he is visiting Ohio State this weekend for their game against Penn State. I have a feeling that will be an impressive atmosphere. Um, you know, so it's possible he comes out there and goes, no, I'm, I'm sold, man. I'm, I'm going to Ohio State. But the winds have shifted toward Missouri on slew five-star Ryan Wingo. The expectation is now that that probably happens sometime in the next month. And if that happens, I've had people tell me, 
that helps Missouri's case a lot with Jeremiah McClellan. So he's the one to watch. I mean, there are some other guys. Uh, there's a running back, Aeneas Williams, committed, I believe, to Notre Dame. There is offensive lineman uh, Sprague. I can't remember his first name right now for some reason. but he Andrew? Andrew Sprague, yes, uh, committed to Michigan. So there are other guys that Missouri could take a shot at. Now, it's, you know, Michigan, Notre Dame, Ohio State. These are – you're not exactly picking kids off from – you know, South Dakota technical school, but um, the uh, Missouri can take their shot with, with NIL laws and things like that. So, um, so I'm interested. We get, we get media day tomorrow. Um, We've kind of figured out a pattern with Eli Drinkwitz. When you think, when, when you think he's going to be pretty happy and upbeat, he tends not to be. And when you think he might be down a little bit, he tends to be the best. I am expecting super boring Eli Drinkwitz tomorrow that says absolutely nothing and kind of points out all his team's flaws. Yeah, be serious and say how they got to take South Carolina seriously. He'll tell us they're a good team. He, he's like you said, South Dakota. What is it? South Dakota his, Tech. Yeah, is that what you said he'd call them a. He'd call them like they're in the community college. They're one of the best teams in the nation. He'll find a way to <laughs> to plug the other team up. I feel like he'll do the same tomorrow. Yeah, and, and look, I mean, I think any coach will tell you the toughest job in coaching is the week after a big win because you got to drag your team back down to earth and remind them they are not as good as they probably think they are and as everybody is saying they are. So this is a, this is a challenging week for Eli Drinkwitz because he's got to convince his guys, hey, man, you go out and play that same first quarter, you might get your ass beat. Yeah, well, I will say this, and I think they've been doing pretty good at just keeping this poker face, win or loss, no matter what game it is. They really do. By the time we get to media days on Tuesday, they seem to have actually moved on. D-Rob started in the press, uh, in the presser, like, he was like, he was telling, uh, you know, the strength and condi- uh, conditioning coaches and stuff like, I'm ready to work out right now. I'm ready, like, because he's excited to finally be on the team where they're not scratching and clawing. So it may provide more motivation for these uh, for these guys to want to get back in the lab and get to work because now they're kind of in new territory that even the upperclassmen haven't really seen. So, yeah, Drink will say all the stuff about what they need to fix, and there is some stuff to fix. But I don't know. They've been pretty good at, you know, saying we took a – like we got a W or we got an L and they kind of moved on to the next, you know, team. Yeah. And the thing about being on a good team, the thing about being in this position is every game is the biggest game. And and as soon as you win, the next game is the biggest game. Like, you know, South Carolina doesn't have the hype going into this game that the Kentucky game did, but this yeah. is Missouri's biggest game of the season because if they want Georgia to mean something, they have to win this game. So it's it's the biggest game they played all year. And every subsequent game will be as long as they keep winning. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll we'll see, but hopefully there he's he's in an OB mood. I was surprised he was in a good enough mood to do a quick one-on-one after the presser. So yeah. I didn't expect the, the happiness to last that long. I do have a a theory that I put in my column. You guys can see tomorrow morning as to why he's been so happy despite the loss. Um, if you connect some dots, things pretty easy, but there's theory. 
Yeah, there you go. Yeah, uh, I, I think it might be because he's already matched his uh, his highest win total at Missouri. Partly. Well, he was happy, but you're talking about the week before. Yeah, yeah and it, so maybe if he's happy, I I definitely know why. I think I yeah, I'm pretty sure I know why. Last week he was yeah, so happy. Yeah. We'll see if it carries over. Uh, we're getting a couple injury questions. Somebody had asked about Luther Burden. I I assume he's fine. He came back he, and he played on Saturday. I don't. He just yeah, the, active. Yeah, I, you took the you took the shot, um, but he's but good. He, you remember at the beginning of the year, Gerard, when we were talking about Luther can be good for this team without putting up eye-popping numbers just because he draws so much attention. Like that that little uh that little two or three yard run that Brady Cook had, it all happened because they faked a pitch to Luther Burton and the entire defense went with Luther and Brady had one guy to beat to the corner. Yeah, uh he's a he's gonna be a phenomenal decoy. I mean yeah. at and that's at obviously at his worst. If he's a decoy, you can kind of see the other guy stepping up, then that's going to be fine. Um, the yeah. the shot he took to uh, the midsection, you know, it's just one of those things of being a guy. You just got to take a second to uh, to bounce back. But I didn't see there was no. He walked right past me as I was waiting for drink to finish up uh, after the game. He was in a good mood. He didn't seem like there was any problems. Rake straw. Um, what's he got? He's got a growing. That yeah. one is probably, if I'm guessing, would be I, like a week to week thing. I bet they give him one more week off because they can afford the, to. You've got well, the bye week coming. Drayden Norwood's playing pretty well. I bet. I bet he suits up because it's a home game. I bet he's on the sideline, but I bet they don't play him unless they need to. Yeah. Well, I was just gonna say the South Carolina. I think I seen something that they're twenty second best pass offense. So they're willing to throw the ball, um, but they do like Drayden Norwood enough. Um, and if they can get enough pressure, they got 18 pressures versus Kentucky, then it's not going to matter because Spencer Rattler's probably not getting too far without getting beat up, especially with the struggles of his uh, offensive line. Because Drink said last week they were they just needed to sit in this because it was one of those injuries where every time you play him and he's not 100%, it sets it back a little bit. So – he, he was off last week, you won. I think you see if you can get through this week without him, give him three full weeks off, and then he's back, no question, ready to go for the last four games of the year. Yeah, because um, last week, what did you say? It was basically he had one one side, his growing was messed up, and then basically it was okay, and then he messed up the other side. So that's something where, you, yeah, you don't want uh, to be going back and forth with these types of things. So – yeah, I can see them kind of doing what they did versus Memphis as far as like him being active and not playing. But I also think if he's active, they're just playing him. Yeah. If, he, if he's active, just playing, we're going. I wouldn't play him unless you know he's 100%. Um, that's that's where I'd go this week. So um, I don't know. I feel like we hit everything. Is there anything we didn't hit? Uh, I'll have it also in the column. I have exactly – details of what happened and why I couldn't get to the presser and the silly security guard who was in my way. <laughs> I'll have that all the way down. And then you guys can read about my parlays and how the so-called best teams in the league are the ones who fa uh, failed me yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I like travel blogs and gambling advice. So uh, <laughs> we'll check that out tomorrow. So, um, all right, guys, appreciate everybody hanging out. We we got close to 150 before you guys start logging off. I do want to remind you one more time about our friend James Carlton. 
carltoninsurance.net. You can call them at 314-961-4800. That is 314-961-4800. If you tell James you heard about him on Power Mizzou, he's going to light up. He's going to say, oh, Gabe and Gerard, I love those guys. Those are the they're, – they're great gentlemen and amazing human beings and wonderful spokesmen for – uh, what we do here at James Carlton State Farm. And then he's going to talk a little Missouri football with you. He's going to tell you he can get you a good deal on your insurance. He's going to save you money, all good things. So get in touch with James. And then when you're done talking, he's going to donate $20 to every True Tiger Foundation um, for you giving him a call and getting a quote. So do all those things. Get in touch with James Carlton for your insurance. Uh, we will be back on Thursday afternoon. We're going to do a little South Carolina preview. We may check in with Drew King, who's going to be in Birmingham for SEC Men's and Women's Basketball Media Days. And uh, I don't know. That's all I got. Talk to you guys next time.